Hello, conspiracy players. Today we have a very special guest, the one and only Monica Perez from the Propaganda Report and the Drive Times News Blast, and more recently, Monica's Deep Dives. We'll put all her information in the show notes for you. Uh, the reason for this canned introduction is because Jeremiah and I had been recording all day long. We did an episode before having the privilege to chat with Monica. And we were so ready and excited to talk to her that we just skipped right over an introduction and went directly into the episode. So here I am to tell you about it. Also... We uh, had the air conditioning running in the living room. Jeremiah's dad was here this day, and we kind of posted him up in there. So if you hear the slight hum in the background, that's what that is. Apologize for that. But we do encourage you to sit through this episode because it is a real treat. Without further ado, conspiracy players, please welcome Monica Perez. Hi. So I got to tell you, I have a little laryngitis, <laughs> but I can do this. I've done it before. I can definitely last 60 minutes and I have my honey lemon tea, which they taught me in radio. And uh, some people think it's sexy. <laughs> there you go. You sound, you sound like Tom Waits. Oh, shoot. And I probably got it the same way he gets it. He used to smoke cigarettes. And scream into his pillow. Now, I was just smoke. I wasn't smoking cigarettes. I was drinking and talking. But it's just, uh, it was extreme. <laughs> well, well, thank you for doing this anyway. I'm happy to. I hope so, you don't mind. No, not at all. As long as it's not painful for no, you, we'll, no, no, we'll no, try no. to get through no. it. So is this Jeremiah? This is yes, Jeremiah. Oh, sorry. Jeremiah. Hi, Jeremiah. Uh, we just did a podcast for the last few hours about oh my gosh. Elon Musk. And so we're we're really hoping that you'll do most of the talking here. Oh, shoot. Okay, <laughs> I absolutely want to hear uh, the one on Elon Musk. I can't wait. When did that, was it live or is it? No, I'm a heavy editor for the most part. Good. So, Good yeah. but I like that. with a guest like you, I doubt I'll be doing much editing. So <laughs> it'll be well, I used to do live radio, so I try not to have to be edited, but I, I just love a good editor. Yeah, so do you want to start off by maybe telling us about you getting into radio and kind of the the road to where you are now? Sure. Well, I didn't mean to. I was just uh, like a math person, and I was studying for the a test, like for a financial credential. And I was just so it was so hard that my brain was on fire, and it was like it was almost a little bit. I, I heard you talking about doing a mushroom trip and saying like I just realized there might be a god I can't remember what your your revelation was but it was like that like my brain was so on fire I guess it's the way they like give you trauma like the JFK assassination and then implant an idea like my my brain was just like open for calculus and uh, I realized that the left versus right thing was ridiculous that like everyone was just looking at the other side and not looking over their shoulder at the people on their side, which is what the people they were looking at were seeing. So you just like, oh, Democrats are such idiots. Like, who would ever fall for that? And they're looking at you and they see like Ted Cruz standing behind you. Like, Republicans <laughs> are such idiots. Like, why would anyone ever fall for that? 
And you're like, well, he doesn't really represent me. He's just a politician. So whatever. So I'm not saying I'm a Republican. I'm a libertarian, but I just saw it like plain as day. And then I just very quickly got all anarcho-capitalist. And I met a radio producer and I, she just like, she just thought it was so cool. Plus she was girl power and she just thought like, it was so awesome to have a smart chick and she was libertarian. So she got me on the radio and I, and <clears throat> I had two rules, which were, I'm never going to be a jerk. It was a call-in show. And like, they just loved when you were a jerk. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I probably won't be good at this because I'm never going to be a jerk. And I'm never going to say anything that I don't think is true. I don't have to say everything, I guess, but I'm never going to say anything I don't think is true. And uh, not being a jerk was okay. Uh, I was I was okay because there was enough drama in that I was a libertarian and all the people who were listening to me had been like, we're listening to Rush Monday through Friday. And then my show is at the same time slot, but on Saturday. And they were just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Bashar Assad is, is the Antichrist. It's like, why? Uh, because blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay. So there was enough with just people shooting themselves in the foot. I did not need the drama uh, of the being a jerk and just saying things I, I didn't believe. I would never do that, but I really couldn't do it because I had such a tall order. First of all, I had to um, say stuff that those people who were hearing it all week didn't necessarily agree with. So I had to know what they were thinking and also know the truth. And it had to be interesting. So I finally just, um, I would just have to like get a deeper story and I would, and I would get that deeper story. But a lot of times it was scary because I, I started my show like not long before that thing that happened in Connecticut. And then again, the thing that the Boston Marathon bombing and I, I just, I would really dig in. Like I would start preparing for a Saturday show on Thursday and I would figure stuff. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. But like the newspaper isn't right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I remember looking for retractions. I was like, but I know that's not true. And I would like literally look through the paper and the little thing that would be like, we are retracting. Like, oh, we spelled this guy's name wrong. You know, it's like, oh, we, you know, didn't mention this guy was a CIA agent. It's like, oh. So, uh, but it was so fantastic, like for my friend and the radio station, but it, I immediately scared them and I had to get like my friend who was the one who kind of discovered me was a producer there. She was like, you can't say these things. Like, like people are going to freak out. So we got the program director on to like, give me the go ahead. And the entire time I was there it was eight and a half years. I just, I mean, I cracked the code on like MH370, the plane and then MH17, there's a chick named Miriam Carey. Michael Hastings, I actually think he just crashed because he was drunk. Really? And yeah, that's like the only one. Every once in a while, like people are just like, you're crazy. I'm like, I don't think so. So I got so many. And then Parkland was February 2018. And the internet closed that day because it was the first time I couldn't crack the code. I was like, oh, there's nothing there. It's gone. So I, I was like, okay, the internet closed. And then that in August my website got purged. I was trapped. That's a long story. But, um, and my radio guy, that, that solid program director, he was so awesome. He was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. Like you should tell people that you got kicked off the internet, but you're still on WSB. And then things just started. He was just like, uh, -huh. if you get kicked off the internet again, I'm not sure we can keep you. It's like, it's fine. And then the thing got bought. I did, 
it got bought like the day it got bought was the day I was just like, I'm going to play clips from event 201. That was in February, 2020. And, um, and then, so the day it got bought, that great program director retired and a new program director who was also great came in, but he had no, there was no way no one was going to protect me then. And they wanted to, like the guy, the guys who were responsible for listeners wanted me, but the new owners who the biggest, the financial investor at the very top of that actually stepped down from his position because of his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein, which was another story that we had hit a lot. And so like, I really don't know why they like frog marched me out of the building in February, 2020, but then I just, yeah, anything could have been anything. And I literally in that February, I talked about is I finally like came out about nine 11. I'm like, do we have to pretend like nine 11 wasn't an inside job? And people are just like, what? I'm like, are you, people still don't know that, (laughs) you know? And they didn't. I was like, okay, there's all hope is lost. So, uh, so then I had a producer on that show, really like a sidekick and we, Brad Binkley, and we did a daily show together, which I know, you know, uh, every single day for a year, like three years. And then just, uh, like personally, I just could not do every single day anymore, but I feel like we served this great purpose in that those two years that we were solid on that show were the two years of lockdown. Like I got frog marched out in February, 2020. And I got just so many emails saying, like, if I didn't have you guys that I just, I was, I felt like I was crazy. Everyone in my life is crazy. And I'm I'm one of those. Oh, awesome. Like, I feel like it was like the eBay who wants your green polyester bell bottoms. Like you're never running into that person in your regular life, but you can find it on eBay. And like, we were, it was like every, we were just this hodgepodge and it ended up being many thousands of people felt connected to us that way. And then when it happens to be just like more than I could manage time-wise because of my, I have a special son and my mom's like, I mean, she's doing great, but she's so freaking old. I'm like this, I will really regret not spending as much time as I can with her. And my son's out of school so I can take him and we're going to just do a lot of that kind of stuff. But I felt like that purpose was served and that we kind of kept each other going and we've got, you know, short up. Hopefully people have their chickens or their dried foods and they're ready for the next round and I'll be there for it. But I do deep dives. I'm super sorry. I told you that extremely long story, but you told me to do the talk. That's what and I, I wanted. take my orders seriously. No, so I, now I'm, so now I just do deep dives twice a week. I take one headline and I do like 30 minutes of like, this is everything that I can. And I'm amazed. It takes me longer to do that than when I did a show that was uh, all the news, but I only do it twice a week. So that's really the thing. Were you originally going to do those every day or is it? No, I was going to do 10 minutes a day. Like I just was going to do quick hits, but that was okay when I was doing it with Brad, because we would like, we had 10 stories and we would just bounce. It was really fun. It was a very fun show to do, but uh, I could never, like, I didn't realize that just going, starting at zero like, oh, I can't be like, remember what we talked about yesterday? Well, there's more to that story. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So Roe versus Wade happened in 1972. <laughs> like, you can't do that in 10 minutes. So, so. I do want to tell you your uh, your recent one on the shutdown that was doing the baby formula. The baby formula one. Like I've sent that to so many people I know because that should be well known. Well, that's the other thing that I think is good about the deep dives is that it's topic by topic. So it's everything I can do on one topic. And then you can just share that. You don't have to share 10 stories. Oh, go to like, you know, minute 12 to hear this little thing. It's just, no, you want to hear about the baby formula. And I was like, baby formula, do I really care? And I read this article about how the FDA was completely responsible for it. There was no, there was 
no sick babies. 20% of all baby formula comes out of that plant. So any baby who gets sick of anything, there's a 20% chance that it came from the baby. So if you have a, if you have something that gets 20 babies sick, then four of those babies are going to have, they're going to have eaten formula from that plant. And that's what it was. It was four babies. And they found that what made those babies sick was not in the plant. It wasn't in any of the formula. And not only did they close the plant down, they recalled the formula. You know, inventory could have absorbed that lag time of like another batch. There's, there are, you know, it's redundancy. It's, it's America. You know, so, but they pulled it back and, and, they, and then the FDA got a, got a, an order, like permission from the DOJ. So Abbott was like, yeah, whatever. Okay. We fixed the leaky ceiling. It wasn't even a leaky roof. It was a leaky ceiling. We fixed it. Okay. Can we open now? And the FDA was like, no. And they went to the DOJ and they're like, we need permission to keep this closed. And the Abbott guy was like, what? And then Congress says to them, says to the Abbott guy, who's totally Weimar Germany. And they, they were like the Versailles Treaty, like, you need to apologize to the mothers of America for your, your wrongdoing and admit that it was all your fault. And he's just like, you fucking crazy. <laughs> you know? So I don't care about baby formula, but somebody had a great tweet from Stratman, I think Leslie said they want to get the vaccinated mother's milk into the little babies. So they're pulling back on the formula. I don't know. It's, that, it's, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. And they're thought. using the Defense Production Act because what they're really trying to do is say, you, baby formula is so complicated that you can't actually have more than one factory in any given country. And we need to, <laughs> we need to get it from fucking France. You know? and, like, then, and then the administration brags about how, hey, look what we got you. Yeah, and I and I kind of think you can just use goat milk. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, but... no, yeah. across the board, goat milk can all all mammals. Yeah, yeah, you can mush stuff up. I mean, look, I have a brown thumb. I cannot grow plants, but I can keep. You give me a mammal, and they like they cry, they walk around. You know, they crab themselves. Like they're not, they don't get root rot. You don't forget to water them. They will bother you until you, you know. So. I feel like, and I do have babies who did live, so I feel like if anyone could do it. All right. Well, would you like to shift into the main topic? Well, wait. Hang on. I gotta. I gotta ask though. I, so it seems like the uh, the timing for the radio show to get bought out seems like very magical. That's interesting. It was the original owners was Cox Media. And they were really good. Like I never, I think they're, they're probably liberal because they still own the AJC, I think, which is the Atlanta journal constitution, which is totally liberal, like all local media, print media, in my opinion. But, uh, they were so good. Like they, I think there was only one time I was there for eight and a half years and there was only one time I heard anyone ever be told that they couldn't talk about uh, something and it was like a personal matter of oh. you know like the old lady's you know illness or something I don't know what it was but it was like some personal thing that she was just like please don't talk about this and I would I would never I mean like when my WordPress thing got taken down they first like said the parent of this person wants you to take that picture down and I did I was like oh I'm sorry and then they sent me another one and they said, 
this parent wants you to take this down, but we believe you have fair use to use this, and we've fought it before. Here's the statute, and here are the cases that we have fought. And I was like, okay, I'll just leave it up. <laughs> and then they took, they didn't take the picture down. They it's took like, my whole website down, right? Didn't so you not, lose a bunch of stuff that you uh, didn't? Sorry. <laughs> I just, because I'm not, I, I don't have excess capacity. And and I'm not great at that. So then I had to like just have a, a like a website made of website, not made of like you know. Oh hi Chad, my you know I can't post my thing and it's like what's FaceTime you know like none of that. So uh, but what it did was I lost all the media. Yeah. So I had used to have all my old shows linked to like my show notes and everything, and it was all gone. I did just when I was trying to figure out my new feed, my deep dive feed. I tried to get my old Monica Price show feedback and I found the RSS feed like very deep. I didn't understand how it worked. And so I now have all of my shows since like January, 2015. They're not labeled, but I have stuff in there from Crimea, um, all those, all of the um, like false flags that I had cracked the code on. It's just great. I think um, I just have to sort through it. So it's many, 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 many hours of work. And I wish my kids weren't so spoiled or I could just be like, I will give you money for work. <laughs> you know, but they don't understand that language. Like I study sometimes. I'm not working. I'd just hire them as interns if I was you. Mm. I can get it done. I can get it done. I just, it's no, there's no hurry. And every once in a while I'll like find a blast from the past and I'll, I just yesterday found, a video I had made from like April 18th, 20, was it 13? I think it was like three days after the Boston Marathon bombing. And I'm like, they really exploit these tragedies. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was like two days before I was like, holy shit, they actually do these tragedies. You know, like that's when the scales fell off my eyes. Like, wow, this is so crazy. Like this is the pre, like I'm like, the scales are still on my eyes. So you know, as the occasion arises, I'll probably dig up those old shows one by one. So that's a segue then. So you, with, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you say that was kind of your, your red pill moment was the Boston yes. Marathon bombing? Absolutely. So I had a show that day. So I was, a, I was a weekend host, which, you know, maybe had 20 or 30, even 40,000 people, especially a lot. But the weeknight hosts had like 400,000 people. Wow. So occasionally I had this great producer. She was so sweet and she would just hound the program direction. Like anytime anybody's not showing up, you put Monica on, you put Monica on. So when she left, like I never got put on during the week again, but at that time she got me put on all the time and it was the Boston marathon bombing and it had just happened. And I was like, I figured it out because there was this CNN report in the middle of the night, which somebody captured of the naked man. So there was a naked man walking around. It was, it was, uh, Tamerlan Sarnaya. They stripped him naked. They put him in the car and an hour later he was dead. And there were people on the radio calling in saying like, I saw this SUV run over him several times. It was not being driven by his brother. And then I kind of pieced together. Like that was a cop car. Like that was an undercover cop SUV in my opinion. And like there was some other guy on the ground and, and he was just saying, don't shoot. You don't understand what's going on here. You know, like a white guy. And I was like, that guy is so obviously a cop. Like he might, you know what I mean? Like the haircut and everything, like he's just like Irish cop. Um, and I can tell you many, many details that, but I realized what happened that those guys 
Tamerlan, Jahar, Sniper, and the CIA. And I was like coming out with all of it. And my friend, who's a good friend of mine to this day, she was just like, people are going to hate you. You can't do that. Like, I love you. I want you to have a show. Like, you cannot talk about that. And I was like, I can't talk about I used to get so nervous to do the show that like if I went, once I cracked the code, I was like, oh, I cracked the code. Thank God. You know, the last thing I was ever going to do is like you crack the code and like talk about some nonsense. Like I was like, I'm not, I cracked this code and I, I'll tell you about it or not, but I cannot do a show on this that happened today without doing that. She's like, talk about pressure cooker. And I was like, not, no, no. So it was like almost showtime. And you're talking about a girl. I used to start practicing or uh, investigating stuff like two days in advance. And this was like on the, on the spot. I did all my work that day and I, and I had to go and I was ready, but I used to be a nervous wreck. I would get sick and I wasn't going to go on. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. And she got the program director on the phone and she was like, Monica wants to say blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, do you have a good reason to think what you're thinking? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, can you tell the difference between facts and uh opinion and i said absolutely yes i can and he said well go for it he said we don't like car accidents so nobody needs to be if you think listeners are running and screaming and just like you know throwing their shoe at the radio so it turns off as soon as possible like that's not going to be good radio but if you're you know logical and coherent yeah it'll be good because it'll be I did it, and I, and and that was one of the cases where. Okay, well, is this? Are you filling in on a weeknight on this? Yes. Show? Okay, I thought you said yes. That. So I was like bringing my truth to the world. <laughs> you know? and it was, it was pretty shocking. So it was good, like right then. But this was before I was red pill. So like, can you imagine? Like how many people were? It was maybe it was ten years after nine eleven, but like, I don't know. I, I just like nine eleven. I remember asking people like. Was an inside job, you know, and he would just like if you're talking it like you just left the crickets, you know, and I was like, wow, wow, you think 9/11 was it? Wow. My reasoning for thinking that 9/11 could not have been an inside job was that there was no way our people would actually do that. That's like the classic. Yeah, and and I realized we do that to ourselves. So then I saw them do it in the Boston Marathon bombing, and then I had another insight, which really clinched it for me. But for the Boston Marathon bombing, when I realized those guys were CIA agents, and that I think it might have been Mueller who was like got up and said, and I remember saying it was like thing one and thing two. Like he was just like, there's terrorist one and terrorist two walking down the street. If you can identify these men, please call the FBI hotline. And I was like, I can give you their addresses because they're on a CIA watch list one mile from where you are right now. So I don't... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I think it was Hopsinger. I uh, made a me, Daniel Hopsinger, I think he's, I forget exactly how to spell his name, but he wrote some 9-11 books and he immediately was like, those guys are in the sky. So, and that's why we got letters from Russia saying, get your terrorists out of Chechnya, you know, and then they were made. Once they were made, that's why they used them as the patsies, I think. So when I saw that, I realized that these guys were in on it because they were, and then they were like saying things that weren't true. Like I had been following the story from like that first minute. So I knew who the eyewitnesses were of the guys like driving away and um, what car they were driving. And the real clincher was the two cops who were killed on the MIT 
that was the thing that I was like, this is not true. Like their, their narrative here is absolutely not true. And then when I realized that, and I'll tell you about that if you want, but yeah. when I realized, yeah, that, um, they did that, that they did that, then I, then I realized, and now I wonder if it was, you know, anybody even really died unlike nine 11, but nine 11, I realized the way they probably think of it. And for a long time, I just thought of it was a black mass that they just, I mean, it, it was just evil. But then I realized that it wasn't really any more evil than the historic wars where so many, maybe all of them, or like where you would draft people, you'd make a, a war, you know, that nobody wanted to fight because it was unjust and you would drag people out of their houses. It just happened to be like young men within a certain age group, but it in this case, it wasn't. And you can read the report from Iron Mountain, which says, like, the only problem with the way we do war now is that we are only killing <clears throat> strong young men, you know. But we should just kill everybody randomly or even old people and messed up people, which is what they're doing with COVID. So the 9-11, I'm just like, Dick Cheney's just like, okay, we're just drafting all the people who are in, you know, above the 85th floor. Like, that's what we're doing. It's for a good cause, you know, Halliburton Revenue or whatever, the good cause, oh, crazy terrorists, Arabs, I don't know. Whatever. Well, and also 9-11 wasn't, they're like quite an empty building compared to how it normally was. Like there was a lot of people yes, that should have been there that weren't for seven yes, miraculous reasons. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So they did it early in the morning. But but yeah, a lot of people like OKC. OKC, where there was a little preschool there. Can you imagine? And like a daycare center. Mm-hmm. And the ATF guys didn't show up for work. That one. I, oh, I know. I, I have shed tears over that one. That, no doubt, that really people died there. That was terrible. And that was, I think, Biden was probably a big player in that one. You know who else was on the spot with that one? Merrick Garland was a part of that one. Um, there are a few. They tried to get that ATF guy, Biden's first nominee, was there was for that uh, one. Gosh, what is He's got name? such a classic name. Remember. It's like Chet. Some, or, uh, oh yeah something yes weird. yes he had a, a name like that there was another guy on there there was this whole like um the second underwear bomber was there was some i don't know if you remember this but like obama was looking at reporters emails somebody blew the whistle on that and it ended up it was an mi6 agent well the guy who blew the whistle on it donald sockleben was the bomb expert at okc for the fbi and I was oh. like, he's probably just sick of people dying. And then they, by some, as the Washington Post said, bizarre coincidence, they found a bunch of kitty porn on his laptop. So. Well, Got to get rid of him, huh? <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. So but the thing with the cops was the thing that was so interesting. So this is what I think actually happened. There were, there was an, a, a cop, Sean maybe, who was on the MIT campus as, like, security. And I should have refreshed my memory on the details. He was shot and killed. He was a friend of and in the academy with another cop named Donahue, who was a Boston Transit cop. So these are young cops in crappy jobs in the city. The Donahue cop was on the, supposedly, on the scene, was the first person to see Sean, whatever, that cop at MIT get shot. And he was also 
zipped. So he heard on his radio, I guess, whatever, that there was a shootout in Watertown with the Sarnayevs. So he races to the scene. Now, in the earliest reports, there were six Watertown cops and no one else. And it wasn't, it was not really shootout. They surrendered. And then you hear a bunch of shots. But there were only six Watertown cops. So there was maybe even one article where it said, like, six Watertown cops and Officer Donahue. So, and then Donahue got shot. He got shot in the femoral artery, and he lost all of his blood. It took, like, 45 minutes for him to get to the hospital. All of his blood. And they did, like, this really innovative Japanese thing where they, so he's basically dead, where they can pump blood back into you. And if it's within four hours, sometimes people reanimate. I'm telling you. Oh my God. So that's the kind of stuff that was lost in my WordPress. I could probably track it down, but I had linked everything. But if you, when I track down the links, they're most of them are four or four anyway. But at that time, I shouldn't tell people this. I did upload a lot of stuff. So I think that computer's about to blow up, die. <laughs> so I will not have anything, no reason to come to my house. Not going to have it. So I don't even know how to access it. Um, but I used to have it all. And then, so I was like, okay, a Boston Transit cop finds a cop shot at MIT, which is in Cambridge. He's the first cop on the scene, and it was a friend of his and a classmate of his. And he calls the ambulance. The ambulance comes. Everyone's just like, holy shit, what happened? And he's like, did you hear that radio call? I got to go to Watertown right now. So no chance the Boston Transit cop is zipping to Watertown as the only outside responder to that thing. Not a chance in the world. And I predicted this was crazy. I was like, I think they're going to find, find a um, cop bullet in his leg or like the same bullet that Sean was shot with. And a while later, it said friendly fire, friendly fire. And um, so I knew that I was just like, what's up? And he's never said a word about it. He has no recollection of the event at all, which thank God, smart guy. Uh, but the story, so they said the Sarnayevs shot, shot Sean Collier, I think his name was. And then, then there was a shootout in Watertown of the cop who was on the scene there, but he got shot there. Uh, that Collier was shot like six times by the Sarnayevs because they needed a second gun. So I was like, okay, so they had a handgun with six bullets in it. They shot him with that because they needed another gun. And then they didn't take his gun because they couldn't figure out how to get it out of the holster. So the gun was still in the holster. And the gun was still in the holster, which makes me think that, like, he was really surprised. I think it was unrelated. I think there was something else going on that night, something really fishy, like mob-type thing. And they just folded it all in together to make, to, to make the narrative more robust. Because then they also had the carjacking thing where they carjacked some guy in the Mercedes that they said ran over Tamerlan Sinaev, but the initial reports and the final reports and the pictures in Watertown and the Bolo beyond the lookout report was all them in a green Honda, which was their car. So why would they hijack somebody? And then they, the hijack victim was a white guy who was talking to an Arab guy in a gas station. And then the next day or a couple of while later, John Williams or John Roberts, <clears throat> I forget his name. It's one of those very simple names. He's now the PR guy for the New York cops, but at the time he was a reporter for CBS and he interviewed the carjack victim in shadow. And then the guy's name became Danny and he was Asian. And the reason he wasn't killed by those people is they only hate Americans. 
not Asians, but really the carjack victims are white guys. So I don't even think the carjack victim had anything to do with the Star Niles. Might have had to do with the Collier thing, but I don't think it has to do with the Star Niles. And then it was like the Star Niles were throwing bombs out the window as they were going. They were untraceable, even though they were calling their mother. So, I mean, I actually, my sister lived in Massachusetts at the time, and she was telling me how, and actually her son lived in Watertown. She was telling me how they found some high school kids making out on the football field because the mom panicked and was looking for them, and they just traced them by the cell phones. So they did it for the high school student, like, that same exact time, and they couldn't figure it out for these guys. Just all these pieces did not make sense. And actually, it was funny because, like, I did all this reporting on it, and I was so technologically incompetent that I somehow, like, I posted the store, all my work to, like, a third party, like, a libertarian website, and it went super viral, super viral, and I forgot to put my name on it. <laughs> so my only, you know, my one chance, like, internationally viral. Like, Might be for the maybe best. it was a good thing, yeah. Oh yeah, maybe <laughs> Alex Jones literally like lifted the pictures and everything because I went through all these pictures and I found that Tamerlan Sarnayev had been a center fold in a boxing magazine because he was going to be a professional boxer. Yeah, he boxed overseas for a while. Yeah, and and that's how I had pictures of him topless. That's how I could compare him with the oh, naked guy. Nothing. And I was like, he has a very distinctive you know, pectoral layout. It was like very rectangular with these like weird little nipples on the outside. It's like, there's, you know, I've, I've been to the beach. Like that is not what you see every day. And the chick with him, his Brazilian girlfriend was his wife, Catherine Russell, whose father or grandfather was like military intelligence at Yale. So there's, you know, he didn't meet her in a bar and, and also a radical Muslim. Like there was no, you know, none of that was true. They had a baby. The younger guy, Jahar Sarnayev, was in uh, dental school. And he went to Boston Latin, which is a very prestigious school because they were in the CIA. I don't think he was. His brother was. But the uncle, Ruslan Sarni, who was like, those boys need to turn themselves in. His name was Sarnayev. And he was married to Samantha Fuller Sarnayev, the daughter of the CIA chief of Kabul, Afghanistan, who suggested radicalizing Arabs in Chechnya as the oil, peak oil moved from the Middle East and into Central Asia. He's like, we're going to need to move to Central Asia because that's where the oil reserves are going are gonna, to, you know, we're peaking a little bit, I think. But I don't know if that's even true, but I just, that is definitely a quote from him in a book called Dollars for Terror. And uh, that book was before 9-11, so it wasn't as, like, censored as after. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, and it was Graham Fuller saying, some of the documents I found about Tamerlan Sarnayev was that he was at the Jamestown Foundation, which is like a CIA training outpost overseas. I forget what country he was in. And that his he was in Chechnya connecting with, and I'll never forget it because I had to look up this word. I didn't know what it meant. Venal imams. So I guess venal means you like money. And then this goes back to the whole clash of civilizations by Samuel Huntington and Bernard Lewis, where they were radicalized Islam. So way back when they did the Sykes-Picot agreement, they broke up the Middle East and made it like a patchwork. They wanted to divide the tribes up so they had no power. And then over time with people like Nasser and, uh, and Egypt and other secular leaders like Assad, Gaddafi, all the ones we take out, 
they were making those patchworks work and they were secularizing and then they were, you know, we weren't going to be friends with them because they were asserting, you know, a kind of nationalist, socialist, not Nazi, but like they were socialists. They were owning it all from the national level, but they were trying to like give it to their people in a socialist fashion, which I don't approve of, but they were just uh, allying with the USSR or whatever. So it seems to me that once that kind of patchwork thing stopped neutralizing them, the plan became get them tribal again and insert into their religion. The Muslim Brotherhood was infiltrated by British intelligence like in the 30s. Then they were big in Egypt in the 60s, and then they even went to Syria. Egypt and Syria were one country for like a couple of weeks. <laughs> it was very weird. Really? Yeah, so they were there too. Yeah, it's really weird. So they made a tenet of Islam like to not be materialistic and not, you know, made all these rules that made it hard to be industrialized. I, I'm not saying I know this. I'm no expert in it. I'm just telling you what I've read. And, you know, as I synthesize the information into a narrative that I think fits the facts, you know, I remember these things, but I, you know, and I could probably find sources for you, but this is my impression. And I'm sure scholars can, you know, flesh it out more or maybe knock some pegs out of it. But I think they went in there and they're like, okay, we need to like tribalize this again. And we take out all the secular leaders. And that's when one of the things that Tamerlan Tsarnaev was actually doing was in Chechnya, meeting with those imams and radicalizing them in Russian territory, Chinese territory, stuff like that. I believe that's when Russia just said, hey, we're on to this guy and we don't want to see him here anymore. And we were just like, uh, Oh, Russia, Russia identified them as terrorists before we did, but they're still terrorists. It's like, no, no, no. Russia identified them as our terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so that, I mean, there are other details to it, but that's what I think happened. And then the last thing is, I saw a picture of Jahar Sunayev, the younger brother, shortly af after he was uh, arrested. Apparently, they did surgery on him because he was in, like, Scrubs thing with, like, a hat. like a Is it because of his throat where he was shot? Or yeah, so he was on a slab, though, and he didn't have, like, you know, he didn't have a tube down his throat or anything, a ventilator. And in the articles I'd read, he, that he could not be interviewed because he was on a ventilator because he was shot in the throat. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'm not seeing that. But I am seeing, like, a massive incision here. And a lot of, like, red pooling of blood. Now, he could have, you know, was red enough, he could have still been alive. But the narrative wasn't holding up because and in the newspaper, like, side by side, this was also on my website, and this might have gotten purged, certainly got, like, the links went away. But that they were saying, like, he was on a ventilator, he couldn't talk, but he was, you know, had a lawyer or whatever, and he was just completely unaided in any way. So it was like, either he's in better shape, but for some reason, his eyes are completely closed. He was on a slab. Or he's dead. And I went with he's dead. And I was like, you're never going to see a picture of this guy alive again. I said in April 2013, whenever, whatever year that was. I was like, you'll never see a picture of this guy alive again. So two years later, he goes to trial. And I said, hey, I said we'd never see a picture of this guy alive again. Let's see. Let's see what happens. So that day, I read there was a line of of press a mile long around that and that's all I, I don't even believe it but that's what i read and not one of them got a picture of him in the court they did their their drawings but nobody got a picture and his friends who were interviewed said and i quote it didn't even seem like the same guy and i was like i'm sure it isn't so is that why they put him on rolling stone was to just kind of like say oh 
here he those, is. Those pictures were totally Photoshopped. Right. So those pictures, I think, were way before. Shortly thereafter, I went back on the air and I said, I told you, you'd never see a picture of it. And they had been listening to my show at that. That was the only time I really definitely had, like, the FBI listening to my show or wh whoever, you know. And they were calling me and stuff. It was, like, very scary. And, well, I shouldn't say scary. I was an idiot. I was not scared. But <laughs> trust me, uh, if I ever have that experience again, I will be a little smarter. No, 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 just, I, this is what I used to say. Don't kill me, just fire me. And they fired me. I was like, thank you. I appreciate it. It's dangerous to be the first one to say anything. Yeah, but. well, uh, it's dangerous to say what they don't like is if you get out of your silo. So there's no silo, like the radio, even if it's left, right radio, it's out there. And so now it's nice that I can inform people and hopefully someone else will take that baton up. But I can't reach people like I used to. But they were listening and a couple of days later, they put this really weird, twisted picture of him like in a fisheye lens, looking up in his his cell. I don't know why they twisted it up, but I was like, oh, wow. Like, they listened to this. And then another really crazy thing happened. So they went down to Florida. There was a guy, Ibrahim Todeshev. God rest his soul. He was one of 13 from, I think he might have been from Chechnya. Uh, he was gym buddies with Tamerlan. They weren't good friends, but they were gym buddies. And he, Ibrahim Todeshev said, like, Tamerlan had been calling him saying in those in that one day when he was on the run, he was saying, like, hey, man, I didn't do anything. I have I will tell you the story when I see you, but I am completely innocent. Um, and Ibrahim Todeshev knew that and he believed it. And he got a ticket back to Russia. He was like, I got to get out of here. And the FBI said, would you not get on that? that plane we want to interview you and he did he left them in his house and he said to his friend before he went up there I was like, i'm scared of going up there and his friend was interviewed on the tv that i can still put my finger on saying he was totally afraid he did not want to be alone with them they shot him six times in the body and once the shot, uh, crown of the head in his own house they said that he was like had a broom handle or some right so they killed him and his father was insanely furious as you can imagine but like he was Chechnya but he held a press conference because he was in Chechnya not here and uh, that guy's wife called me she called me because I was on the radio I mean it was very high level like my covering this it was very weird and I said okay I'll interview you I don't even think I ever put it on the air because my show wasn't an interview show and I was so like pedantic I believe, you know I just never fucking took interviews even though it was such a huge interview but I wanted to talk to her anyway, and I was just going to post on my show. I don't even remember what I was going to do with it, but I wanted to do it from the studio because of the sound quality, and I had to call her from there. And she was in Russia because I could not get out on the on that line. I had to wait. It took like two hours for me to track down somebody who could get me a code to type into the phone that I needed to give to the studio to record a phone call interview. And there were two things that I thought were weird. One is, I think she was estranged or it was a marriage of convenience with Ibrahim Todeshev. That was my opinion because it looked to me like he was definitely living with a woman and there was a picture of him kissing her. And so I said to her, like, you know, whatever happened to his girlfriend? She was like, his girlfriend? And I was like, oh, well, sorry. <laughs> you know. And then I said, so you talked to his to Tamerlan Tanayev's family is Jahar Shanayev alive or what? And she's like, oh, 
yeah, they just think that they're pinning it on him because they don't know who did it. And I was like, so I don't know about that. I still, that I still have in the can, Renee Todashev, anyone? But um, yeah, so like a lot of weird things came out of that and then it went away, but people just, they were, I got like a message. I really care about you, care about your show, but you should stop saying I'm hundred percent positive. <laughs> you should, you should just say, I think, or it's my opinion. And I was like, no, but I am hundred percent positive. <laughs> An idiot. Anyway, so I guess it's better that I don't have that opportunity to be that stupid anymore. Hey, I mean, there's nobody out there really doing it. After I left the radio station, that's when they came down with the election integrity stuff. Don't talk about that. And I that was the only interview I ever did was the guy whose name I won't tell you because it, it very closely, I don't want to say his name because... <clears throat> It, I got so close to getting kicked off all of my YouTube channels because I put a bunch of his stuff. I finally went in. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I went in and I actually just deleted. I didn't even back him up. I was just in a hurry because I only had one strike left and they were just striking him like this. And I just went in and deleted all of my videos. from. And uh, I have no backup. But I just deleted it all. Not that my YouTube channel is that valuable. It really is not. But um, I just hate to like lose stuff. It hurts. And uh, so anyway, but that was my thing. That was the one thing I did. And I, I mean, that could have been enough. I mean, that that honestly, if I had to guess, like that was as I wasn't digging into the election thing yet because it was before the election. But they know what's coming. You know, they knew Georgia was going to be a big part of that. They knew I had always called out Brian Kemp, Stacey Abrams, all their shenanigans on the, the election stuff. Like, you know, people like Kemp now. and I'm, I'm glad for them. But he definitely had a dereliction of duty under him when he was secretary of state before he became governor. But I mean, obviously he's better than Stacey. Well, I love how Binkley goes after Stacey. Yeah. It's one yeah. of my favorite things. Yes. It does. He really, uh, I don't She just pisses him off. I think he just doesn't like the way she looks or I don't know. Like, you know, he makes fun of her weight, but, uh, but for me, I don't like her. I mean, she did an internship with Yukos oil that was arranged by, that was part of a program of Henry Kissinger, like on the board of Yukos Oil, where they were teaching Russian kids in Russia about American democracy. Like they were infiltrating, you know, it was like Russian election interference. Like this was literally a maneuver. Like, what does she know about oil? She was in there because she she's just a, a world player. And I did say all along that she was being trained to be world president. And then she was on a, a sci-fi show, some Star Trek, as president the, of the, the universe. Yeah, of everybody. Galaxy. And she was, she was so happy in that picture. Oh, yeah. She was, yeah, she's not really a great actress. But, of course, like all the great politicians, she was trained as an actor. She's not a very good novelist, either. I've, I've read excerpts of her. Yeah, her, I did buy one of them, and it was about, like, a, a, a filthy preacher. So, like, sexy preacher. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but she was, a, she was an acting major. She went to an art school. Kind of sounds like AOC a little bit. They're yeah. all of them. Oh, yeah, they're created persons. Mm -hmm. I've got the created persons and the sacrificial wolves. Like, those are my two big expressions that I coined. So I had a glossary. It's okay. It's still there on MonicaFreshShow.com. Although now I'm changing my URLs to monicasdeepdives.com. But my old glossary is pretty cool because it, it's almost like a retrospective of, like, the as they, they change, you know, they open it. Like, so chemtrails, I'm sure they're going to bring out. They're going to admit to social, to social engineering, 
to solar engineering, whatever, solar radiation management. Uh, but along the way, they have other like expressions. And I just, I, so in my glossary, I put stuff like, um, you know, manufacturing advocacy. So Noam Chomsky's manufacturing consent. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm on the radio. Rush Limbaugh is manufacturing advocacy. When I'm like, check your, do you believe in sovereignty? Oh yeah, like keep those Mexicans out. And I'm like, okay, why are we bombing Syria? And they're like, because he's a monster. I'm like, okay, so you're going to bomb Syria. It's like, why is he a monster? Well, he locks people up for like political persecution. I'm like, okay, so you're going to go in there. You're going to bomb it. You're going to open their prisons up, right? That's what you're saying you want to do. And then they're going to come here because that's how it happens. Afghan, Afghanistan, Ukraine, like they come here. And then what do you tell me? You tell me that I can't have my rights anymore because terrorism. So why don't we just let them keep their terrorists? And so, but I had these people manufacturing advocacy. Like they were advocating, they believed it. Like these were not FBI agents. They were CIA people, they were rush listeners. And they, they were like, you're dangerous. <laughs> I'm dangerous. Well, I think we have a few minutes left. If you, yeah, if yeah. you're really, so I, I was to, just breathing so that you could <laughs> word in edgewise. No. I can keep going forever. Did you hear anything about MIT cops being involved with the Aaron Schwartz stuff? Oh, what? When was that? Oh, you know. You know when Aaron Schwartz was. Uh, My thinking about his situation has changed a lot. Over has the it? Years. Well, yeah. you know he's a doorknob suicide like anthony bourdain all, all of those yeah anthony and bourdain. uh and kate spade who would never but anyway i don't know what she was up to that you know maybe it was just her husband david spade's brother i don't know yeah there's a lot of theories there but they had something to do with his arrest and it was really fishy oh um, i wouldn't be surprised i didn't look into that originally i thought you know i always try to to put my libertarian touchstone first, like above my conspiranoid one. And now I think, I know people say post-libertarian, and I, I definitely saw that coming. I, I'm like more post-ideological. Like it just doesn't even, ideology is a distraction. Like ideology at this point is the problem. And we're, and we're getting, you know, our ideologies are morphing and polarizing and radicalizing, and that's just making it worse. But the, but my, I always like look to the libertarian thing. And I, and my idea there was that this is a private, private institution and he has no right to hack into that. But there's a lot of things wrong with that now. So MIT, I dare say, is not a private institution. It is because it, it can operate behind a cloak of privacy because it's supposed to be private. But it's definitely an outpost, like it's an NGO or whatever of the defense agency. And I mean, Stanford's even worse in that, you know, it was out there that that all started. The defense industry was out there and then tech, you know, was an offshoot of that. So, and I didn't even know Siri, you know what Siri is? Siri is the Stanford Research Institute. That's, oh. that's how it got its name. Really? <laughs> Not funny. And I found that because I was investigating the 2017 SPARS document, which I don't, I don't know if you know that. It's just, it's a script of what? Of yeah, the we did a huge episode on it. Media. I heard you, media. actually, you are the one who let me in yeah. on that. Because there were two ways to look at it. The Alex Jones way, which is, look, this is all about vax injuries. And my way was like, this is all about propaganda. This is the, the subject, the meme that we're going to float. And this is how we're going to deal with propaganda. So the guy who wrote that, 
was a guy who was part, I don't know if at that time or previously, the Global Business Network, which did the 2010 Rockefeller Foundation scenarios. So it's like they figured out of the four scenarios they were going to do, they figured out which one, and then they like dug into it for the 2017. But that guy was at the Stanford Research Institute and the Esalen Institute and stuff in the 60s. Like that, nothing gets deeper state than that guy, whose name I forget, probably did. See, I used to think that the accountability and transparency of NGOs was the same as the government agency that established it or funded it, but it's actually not at all. That's why they use mercenaries. That's why they have a human rights industry. That's why they have all this stuff is just for that reason. And I mean, I bet NQTEL has some kind of privacy that CIA would not be able to if it actually were checks itself. So, so I don't count it as private at all anyway. By funneling a lot of research into these private institutions, A, you crowd out like any, any, private, any private research money anyway because nobody could keep up with it. Um, or you literally like push it out of the way because it's frowned upon and you would say to MIT, like, if you're going to work on that, you're not allowed to work on this. So like, I think there was one um, philanthropist who wanted to work on therapeutics for COVID rather than vaccines because he felt like he needed to be able to do that. And he said, you know, he was like your total kind of, let's party with Elon or whatever. But <laughs> then when he got into it, he was like, oh, they won't give the results of our trials. You know, the people on my board who I thought were on the level won't allow us to, to disclose this information because they have an agenda. Like my point is just that to demonstrate that they crowd out research that way. And what really pisses me off is they take that, the, the government funded subsidized research. And then that month that the, products of that, the fruits of that, corporations can buy, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, from the universities. And then they have patent our genes and stuff. Michael Crichton wrote a, a great, like, you know, Pulp Fiction, Next was the name of it. Mm. And he was so way ahead of it, which I, they probably shot him up with a little cancer just to, you know, it's, it's a real skill to be able to, a gift to be an expert who has integrity and can articulate things in a simple way. And that's what he had. So I'm sure he had to go. So that's why, like, and now I think that Aaron Schwartz was right in that that was that was public. And and they use that against us. Like, we can see now with the code that they just use that, all that that research. I mean, who knows where they're doing gain-of-function stuff. Like, that is in no doubt in my mind. The lab leak theory is a whitewash of the bioweapon used on us, <laughs> I think, is a reality. Like, I think they spray that stuff. You can look in the history of bioweapons. They sprayed it on Americans in towns and stuff. I mean, since the beginning, I have a hard time understanding the contagious nature of viruses. I have an easier time. And in my experience with COVID, believing that the vaccines, which were the subject of research to make vaccines contagious. So I think vaccines are contagious. And I think I got COVID back in January, 2021 from somebody who's freshly vaccinated. But I don't know if you get you know, I just don't, I don't, I'm not 100% positive of the nature of contagion, but I do know they work on gain of function. I think there was one thing I just read in passing about them working on like smallpox, like increasing contagion of like, ugh. so they definitely, definitely gain of function includes making things more contagious, definitely. And I assume that's what went well, on here, but do you, you have had, an opinion on it? I remember you had a, a story about the five places where Omicron broke out, whereas where they were testing the vaccine. 
Yes, it was the five places that they tested. I think Japan maybe shut down the testing, and I don't know if anything ever emerged from there, but it was the at least the four places, and there were only five places with pollution panels. South Africa, Brazil, the UK, and one other place, I can't remember, maybe it was Kenya, where they were testing the AstraZeneca one. And it was in South Africa that they said, oh, people are testing positive for AIDS after getting the vaccine. So that's where there were a bunch of new variants emerging, like beta, gamma, delta, omicron, whatever, and every single one, it was like one-to-one correlation. Every one of the new emerging variants was emerging in one of those four places, just one-to-one. And another thing they did, which was extremely irritating, is that there are four kinds of coronavirus, alpha, beta, I think delta and gamma, right? Those, that's the order code. I don't even know anymore. I think that's a Greek alpha. I have this in a mouse pad. Those are different kinds of coronavirus, like one that affects human beings, one that affects animals, blah, blah, blah. The, the coronavirus that we had have, I believe it's a beta coronavirus. And then if you want to distinguish variants underneath that, traditionally, like it was a bunch of letters like BA2, like the whatever, Omicron BA2. But it's never had those, those Greek letters because that indicates a higher level, like a Cade or a genus or whatever. So it makes it sound like it's huge variant, where if you were just to say it's a BA4 that morphs from a BA2, you know, I don't know if you're going to, it's as freaky as like, she's got the Delta, she's got the Omicron. Right. So they did all this funny business to make it seem scarier, but I guess it morphs, but there's no doubt in my mind it was originated as something artificial. Yeah, that was intentionally obvious. I was always under the impression that like every time a cold or a flu passes from one person or another, that it got a chance to, you know, be a little bit different. Yeah. Just because and it's like, that's just the nature of little. That's tiny... why it's never the same. Right. Year exactly. after year. Yeah. And like they're, they're always gambling with the flu vaccine of like, I don't know, it might be this one this year. And we'll they try always it said out. you couldn't get the same one twice. And to be honest with you, I never really understood that. Cause first of all, my son got the flu one year. And the next year he got the exact, it seemed like the exact same flu. And I was like, okay, so you're going to give me a flu vaccine that's last year's thing. And he actually had it last year and he has it again. And you're telling me that thing is going to work. I mean, I never felt that anyway. And also when you get strep throat, see, I believe in bacterial infection. That I do believe. So, or I don't, yeah, I mean, I think it is a bacteria. Like you can see it. I think if you like zoom, you don't need an electron microscope. You don't need a priest to explain to you. <laughs> you ever see the electron microscope slides? Like they're colored. They're like red and yellow. And if you look at the fine print, it's a graphic representation. It's like pictures from outer space that NASA shows us. <laughs> oh my gosh, Mars. I'm sorry, but Mars looks so much like Devon Island. Oh my gosh. Like to the point where you can see like the same mountains and stuff. Oh, know. well, uh, uh, Warren... Uh, Warren Von Braun. Von Braun. Yeah, so he actually uh, worked with Walt Disney at one point to help create uh, stories about outer space. Wow, because he said no to the moon landing because we needed uh, super fuel, right? And and one time I was out here in L.A. and I saw, like, it looked like a fluorescent line in the sky. And, you know, since then I've seen... 
I was looking up why those Kansas sprites, those red sprites, like there was a fire in Kansas and there were these red sprites that were shooting up and it just looked like chemicals igniting. Like I was like, what the fuck did they spray on that? Like, they're like, oh, it's once in a million years. It's like, come on. It's much more likely it's fucking napalm, right? So I was like, what's red? <laughs> you know, like barium, I think. So I was just looking up like barium and a, and a NASA thing came up and it's like, this is what barium looks when you shoot it into the sky. This is what this other stuff looks like when you shoot it into the sky. And there was this like weird rip and I was like, that's exactly what I saw here a while back. And what it was, was what they said. So there was no announcement, but if you looked up what was overhead in LA, it said Elon Musk shot off a rocket with some new fuel. And at that time, I was like, oh, they might actually, you know, they're trying to get to the moon. I don't know if you guys realize that, but they're trying to get to the moon. <laughs> we it's forgot really hard. How. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> they can't do it with rocket fuel. They can't figure it out. So they have to get some new fuel. And I just, you know, it's just so funny. It's like 9-11 or JFK or whatever. Like all of a sudden these people who just like Republicans did it. And it's like, so you can find people who think 9-11 was an inside job. You're like, so you think 9-11 was an inside job, but you... You still think that we're operating like a what you see is what you get constitutional government when every president and every party has covered that up, JFK. Like, wh what makes you just ignore that? Like, teachers will teach in school. It's in the textbook, even though secretly they really believe, you know, they really think that JFK was murdered. It's like, how can you just ignore that? So I don't know how people can just ignore that we were told we went to the moon and we just can't figure it out right now. Like we, but have, Mars, we haven't gone back. But Mars is and Mars easier. we're floating around. <laughs> I did, yeah. Like I'm right near JPL, not right near, but like not like a JPL thing. And don't dox yourself, Monica. <laughs> no, bro. Well, it's big. It's big city. So and hopefully I won't be here that long. I rent. At least is up in November. I'm leaving. So, you know, you meet people at whatever, you know, in town and. I just get nervous because are they lying? Like, are they, I don't know. I've met, I've known people who've said like my uncle was a CIA agent and you're like, I thought your uncle had a pizza place. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I work at JPL. It's like, what do you do there? I don't know. I, uh, math. Like, it's all really compartmentalized, so they have no idea. So maybe they don't know. I don't know. But maybe they do know. Like, I don't know that either. Right. So in L.A., it's weird because you'll go out to eat. And, like, your waitress will be the most beautiful woman you've ever seen in your life. You know? And you're just like, wow. Like, never seen anyone that beautiful in real life. And, like, that'll happen to you a few times. And you're like, oh, all the beautiful people in the whole entire world have come here because they get paid to be beautiful here. And so that gets them out of all the places that I've ever lived before and it gets them all in here but there's other stuff here like that like the defense industry so you're gonna like run into people who know stuff I guess I don't know one time somebody said to me that he worked at a news agency and I said oh uh do they like censor the news that they push out to the newspapers he's like oh my gosh every day of the week and I was like Oh, I was like, wow. I said, because I try to tell people like it's us versus them and it's totally controlled. And the guy said, yeah, I'm them. And I was like, what? You know, and I just kept blah, 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 blah. My so husband he's literally. he's Winston from 1984? <laughs> was Winston an inside job? Well, Winston was the guy who was memory. Yes. No, no. This guy wasn't Winston. He was 
you know, big brother. Like, because my husband literally, I could feel his, I've never in my life has he been subtle in any way, but I could just feel his hand on my elbow. And he was like pulling me away. And I was, it was like a work thing. And he's like, he's telling you that he's them. And I was like, oh, he's like, yeah. And then his associate was like, what was the name of your radio show? And I was like, I don't know. It's not good. (laughs) (laughs) It's not good. She's like, no, he'll listen to it. He's always looking for something interesting when he's on the treadmill. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, I can't remember. (laughs) My husband was like, okay, you gotta go. (laughs) No, and I get nervous. Like I'm, I'm a total, like it, it thrills me to crack codes and it scares me what's happening to this country. And I have a lot of integrity and I really, you know, I have a lot of integrity. I'm just saying, like, I don't, that's all I care about. Like, my dad taught me to be like this, and it's all I care about. I'm not materialistic. You know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying, I, I'm not, like, a hero. I just like to analyze stuff, and I'm stupid about, like, talking about it all the time to everybody, including, like, my kids' teachers and stuff. And <laughs> there's, like, one time they went to this tiny school, which was Catholic, but real, like, homeschool or tiny school. And there was that thing of like the cops coptic christians getting beheaded or something on a beach in libya so then egypt sent fighter pilots and the pope started praying for those people and literally buried on fox news was like yes this is clearly photoshopped uh and it gave a bunch of reasons why and my kids came home and were just like oh my god we need to bomb libya and I was like, oh my gosh <laughs> hold the phone <laughs> I never complained ever. I went to the principal and I would, as my father would say, like, you wouldn't say shit if you had a mouthful. Like, I do not like confrontation at all. And I was just like, look, lady, this is completely fake. And she was just like, are you suggesting that the Pope is lying? I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I think he's getting stovepiped. Like, she's like, what? I'm like, okay, I have to show you this. And she, to her credit, she looked at it, she accepted it, and she never talked about that stuff again. And nice. they used to talk about it at assembly. Yeah. Wow. And they did never talk about it again. That was the one exception to my rule of literally people like not sitting next to me anymore at like little games. Little league games. It's really funny because there's like a circle of not sitting next don't sit next to Monica. <laughs> I don't know. I just I don't know. It's Have you ever seen the movie uh Network? I'm not going to take it anymore. I've no, have you seen the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, doesn't yeah, he say yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, mad as hell and yeah, I'm not going to take it yeah. anymore? And not, Do you ever feel like that? <laughs> I don't. I uh, I try not to get. Cra- it's like when my son was born with Down syndrome. For two years, my husband and I would look at each other and just like, I can't believe our kid has Down syndrome. Like it's just so weird, <laughs> you know? Like I can't. Like what? What is it? It's just weird, and it was shocking, and it just took two years for it to just penetrate my noggin and then I brought my little baby daughter home and it just changed everything because I just felt very healed and renewed and then I could think straight again whatever but that's kind of like the COVID thing did to me I was just like and I I was the one like I was the one that people were just like you're out of your mind and here I am like I never even guessed I never even imagined how effed up this could be and what sheep you all are. And what was I supposed to do? I don't, I don't run around fighting. Like I, don't, I would go around to the grocery stores and I would say, hey, the masks are bullshit, right? And people would go, literally one lady went like this to me with her arms so that I would be six feet away. I was like, oh my God, like, you're, 
you're dying before the year's out no matter what because <laughs> you're a million but i'll stay away from you you know you're not gonna better off that mask is not good for you <laughs> but you know this is probably my 10th year of broadcasting in one capacity or another and when i was on the radio i remember one one board op was like wow like I really, I wonder if he was like trying to tell me that like I was, I was a great host. He's like, I really get the impression that you go to sleep worrying about this stuff. And I was like, <laughs> the hell are you talking about? Of course I'm worried about what, you know? And he was just like, they used to, I think I was the novelty act. They right. would laugh. Like I would just like with the anarchism, they're like, you're, you're the anarchist. Right. And I was like, yeah, they're like, that's a good one. I was like, no, I'm dead serious. They're like, oh, oh my God. Oh shit. I get it now. She's the best. And I was like, and I was like, I think, you know, I make logical arguments. I don't understand why you guys and, I, and I, make fun of me. I was a little insulted. They can't wrap, wrap their mind out of not being controlled 24-7. That's what it is. Yeah. It's well, a knee-jerk reaction. In that, in the radio realm, I felt I had to share my story with the world. Like, I wasn't looking for broadcasting. I had stage fright every single solitary time I went on the air for eight and a half years. Like, sick to my stomach every single time. So it wasn't a favorite to me. You know, like it was, and when I got fired, I was like, great. Like, I mean, you know, I love my boss and everything. I'm not saying I, and I really love the callers and so as far as stress level, just absolute plummet. But I never met anybody who didn't really, really, really want that daily show. Like really, really cared about it more than anything else. But I had kids and I couldn't even have taken it that job if I, if I was offered it. And uh, other people would they were just reading the wall street journal and regurgitating the headlines. I'm like, why, why, why I have to work so hard? You know? And my boss was like, I don't care that you're a chick. I don't care that you have a Spanish surname. The only reason you are here, although that's stuff is cool. Um, <laughs> two reasons guys are driving home from work and you like, look like their wife. You talk about the stuff that, you know, their your wife is like making chicken or whatever. And then you just fucking like, Oh my gosh, the Boston marathon bombers. And they're just like, <laughs> tell me more <laughs> and he says and when you talk about like the fed i think they just love that like chicks doing math i mean you might as well be hammering a nail <laughs> so that was a good one so but i didn't really care so so they so people really did care though and and, and what he said to me was the real reason i was there is that i was saying something different he right. said that you're saying something different you should have confidence because i was nervous because i was saying something different and he said, no, that's why you should have confidence. And I'm like, yeah, but people like hate on me a lot and they make me cry and whatever. And he's like, that's why you're here. And I was like, nobody else is saying anything different. You know what I mean? Like, then they were, they would screen out Ron Paul calls. It's like, you can't take a fucking call from a Ron Paul supporter. You, you can't argue with a guy who wants to restore the constitution and you call yourself a conservative. Come on. So I was like the, you know, the home for people who, had that point of view but he told me one other thing which was you want to be old enough to be perceived as wise but young enough to be sexy <laughs> so it was and then i could never tell my age again because he told me i never had i never cared about my age at all and after that i was just like i'm 40 something and i always look <laughs> good rule of thumb <laughs> i think i can maintain that for another 15 years i think so <laughs> So that was the story of my radio career. I hope you didn't have another question because. 
No. I just, I'm just getting around. I just went I, like a mile a minute for the entire time. But you told me to that's talk. What I wanted this. And <laughs> I, I just want to drop in one thing because uh, I'm a huge predictive programming guy. So episode 15 of season 11 of Family Guy aired March 17th, 2013. It's entitled Turban Cowboy. And there is some Boston Marathon bombing predictive programming in there. You know that Seth MacFarlane I do. was supposed Say to be it. on one of those flights. And Mark Wahlberg. Oh, I did not know that. And they're both cranking out propaganda now. Here's where Seth MacFarlane, I think, could tell that it was, this is when he lost it, like that there was no plausibility to his story because it was a perfect storm. <laughs> it was a perfect storm. He was just like, I was super, super hungover, so I couldn't get my shit together to get to the airport. And... My travel agent gave me the wrong flight information. Okay. His, really his family guy's a perfect storm too. It's the only show that was ever canceled and picked up by the same guys that canceled. Oh yes, I knew it was canceled. And actually the first season, the season that was canceled, the when it was canceled, I loved it because Stewie was a Nazi who hated his mother. <laughs> He wasn't a pervert. He was a Nazi. (laughs) And it was great because I had, I don't know, I'd certainly had the experience of having little babies by then. And if you look at what a little baby is doing to you, so they shit all over everything that leaks out their (laughs) pants, and then you're trying to clean them up like a dignified person like myself. (laughs) And then they piss all over you. I'm like elbow deep in like yellow diarrhea. And then... It pisses in your face, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, I love you. I love you. I don't mind. It just pisses in my face. And really, it's saying, I hate you. I hate you. It sucks coming. I was so much happier inside. How could you bring me out? Like, just that that's a cold. That is a cold wipe. Like, why are you doing this? I'm just I'm going to fart in your general direction. Like, no, you will not take it for what it is, what it looks like. But any observer from another planet would be just like, how is she waiting on that little gross thing that's just spewing all over her? And her her greatest dream is for this thing to get bigger and leave and never come back. You know, like that's your only hope. If it doesn't work out that way, you have failed. And I used to always say that. I was like, I don't mind waiting on them hand and foot. But do they really have to like piss in my face? Like, I just don't understand why it has to be so painful for everyone. You know, like I'm just trying to just trying to rock you in a rocking chair. Do you really have to arch your back and try to do backflips onto the ground and crack your head open? Like, do I have to save you from yourself constantly? And the answer is yes, you do. And uh, I'm, you know, so they're definitely little babies and Nazis and it was genius. Well, neither one of us have kids and I don't think he just sold it on us. So. Sorry no. about that. That w- I was informed on the whole, you hope they leave because I'm the youngest of nine. And like my, my mother, the only ones that haven't given my mother constant grief are the ones who basically she hardly ever sees. It's like, oh. So that is one reason why I've decided to just take some time off and go hang out with her because she's awesome. But she's really nice. Well. That's good, and I don't know. Did you have anything you want to talk about before we I don't think so. get I think, out of here? I think we're on a good, yeah. Any closing statements? Well, it was super fun talking to you guys. I really enjoyed it. Your and, voice is uh, sounding all right. 
Yes, I think I just my, my it's just like when you're if your one eye is blind, like your body, your body just turns the other and it's just completely cut off all the high end. And it's good though. I think it's I had a German boyfriend once who used to say I had a dark voice. You have a dark <laughs> voice. So. But I used to smoke cigarettes. So it's the good old days. I really do like the deep dives. I hope you like them. And but I also do buddy dives. So if you would like to be a buddy dive, you can send me the file to the show and I will put it in my feed. So so I will tell people how to find me, but if you tell people who you are and how to find you, my listeners would like to probably know that as well. So I'm Monica Perez. My Twitter handle is at Monica Perez Show. My new show is Deep Dives with Monica Perez, which you can find on your favorite podcasting platform. And it is commercial free until August 1st. So you should stockpile it listening. I'm getting trolled already in the review section. People are like saying stuff about me defending Clarence Thomas. And uh, it's funny because it was as soon as Roe dropped and it had the Clarence Thomas thing, somebody wrote that review on this Deep Dives feed, which I just started like two weeks ago, which definitely had nothing to do with that. But I kind of liked the review. The slam was kind of like, you know, anybody who can't handle this should not be listening to my show anyway. But I wouldn't mind some reviews. If people do like the show, I'm going to have to get ahead of the trolls. And that's it. So it's super fun. And I love talking to, um, I love my buddy dives. I really enjoy talking to you. So what's what? How can people find you? Well, we have a website. Conspiracyplaytime.com where all of the episodes are hosted even if they get removed from YouTube. Along with uh, email. Can't believe you're still on YouTube. Yeah, Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, we're trying. We're trying to get off I say Sandy Hook at least three times an episode. Oh my gosh, really? (laughs) No. Wow. Oh, I I think he's done it a couple times, though. I would never say that. Oh my gosh. I'll cut it out before I send it to you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) I I did. I, I, I actually had a YouTube video removed before it was fully uploaded. It was like, yeah, didn't wow. strike? It didn't even yeah. upload it And it was private. So, yes, yeah, so you're still on YouTube. The still conspiracy Playtime. Yep. And then uh, you're on Twitter. Yeah. Conspiracy Player. Conspiracy Player without the E in the player. And I do enjoy tweeting with you. Yeah. yeah. He's when become you, quite the Twitter. When you started yes. tweeting me back, I was like, man, I should just ask her to come on the show. Yeah. No, yeah. It, was, it was fun. I knew because you were going to have clever tweets. That's why I was like, oh, this guy's smart. So. Hey, I'm, I'm aspiring to be the next Cam Harless. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think he was set up a little bit. I think oh, it, no? it's starting to look like, yeah. No, I totally I mean, agree. I thought that immediately because yeah. there is absolutely no way a new hire in Washington. And that is what I texted him. I was like, watch your back. And he went on Tucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, because that chick was newly hired to the Washington Post, what a job. Like, and her name's Felicia. Oh. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Okay. So there's no way she would mouth off to a seasoned reporter publicly without the go-ahead. No way. So, and of course, Cam is a bit of an easy mark with his <laughs> unapologetic, like, because his, his jokes can be super, super alt-right because they're jokes. Exactly. People like, don't get you know that. What? I see some of his feedback. Oh. No, but it, he's trolling them. I know. They don't get it. They think he's serious. No, I know. And it's just dangerous. It's just dangerous for him. And, I, you know, he, like, was starting a yeard. So he had a beard and really long hair. So he just shaved everything, his head and everything. So all of a sudden, he's like a skinhead. I'm like, Cam, 
This is this is not. <laughs> he's leaning into it. He, Sometimes he you have is, to do that, right? You know, he's, to get the publicity. <laughs> yes, he's incautious. But anyway, so yes, if you aspire to be the next Kamala Harris, uh, act recklessly. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Monica. We should do this again sometime. And uh, do you want me to just send you an audio file? After send, me the whole, send, send me everything. I will. Yeah. Sounds okay. good. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Have a lovely day. I'm not the top sales. I lost my life.